0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. We share their stories so that in their shining, you too can shine. Today's guest is Teresa Cavello. Teresa, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Susan. I really appreciate you inviting me. I'm looking forward to this
0: yes it'll be a fun conversation so as most of my listeners know it's very conversational and we're just going to get to know you a little bit better so why don't you tell us a bit about yourself
1: well you know just background i'm a a cpa and i've held some um, roles with public companies and i am currently the founder and president of wincott 87 consulting based here in new york and um, but since this is Freeman means business, I think that talking about myself, I'll just start with my career a little bit. So I, you know, not not uber exciting, but I graduated with a BA in public accounting from uh, Hofstra University right here on Long Island, and I ended up joining KPMG's Long Island audit practice, which for me, you know, I grew up in Queens, so everyone expected me to work in New York City, but I chose. KPMG, and I chose the firm that and the location that had the the best client base on Long Island because I did want to be on the island. Um, It turned out to be a pretty good choice because I had a very broad client base. I got very varied experience, and I was able to operate as a lead senior by the end of my very first year, which is something that it probably would not have happened had I joined a large accounting firm in Manhattan. So uh, while I was there, pretty quickly, I found that my interest lied with financial service companies, banks, credit unions, things of that nature. And I think I found them so challenging because it was like the post-1987 market crash, you know, not yeah. too dissimilar of the market crash that we had just experienced, you know, uh, about 10 years ago now. So all of a sudden, savings banks started to go public just to raise capital. And then the very healthy savings banks, you know, they were mutual they caught on, and they started going public as well. So I ended up working on my first initial public offering, or IPO, um, for a savings bank, and at the end of my second year in public accounting, in, at the end of my second year in public accounting, I was doing that. And that was a career-changing experience for me. I knew from there on that I wanted to work with public companies. Um, You know, in my first year, I got to meet with Dick Parsons. Yes, the Dick Parsons, Time Warner's Citibank CEO, because he was the CEO of Dime Savings Bank at that time. Wow. So I was pumped, you know, I was excited. So while I enjoyed public accounting and it introduced me to this, I did end up leaving public accounting to work for the bank that I helped take public. You know, today that's a big no-no. Yeah, today that's a big no-no. You couldn't do it, (laughs) but at at the time you could. So so I'm kind of lucky that the rules changed after um, I did that. (laughs) And I worked there until it was acquired 10 years later. So after that, um, you know, I just wanted to test the waters in investment banking. I felt like I wanted to do something different. But I found pretty quickly that the, the travel demands, they, they did not work with my family life. You know, my kids were crying every time I got on the plane and left for a few days. So it was problematic. So I ended up, um, and, and now, like, if you look at the timing of this, this is, like, right after 9-11. Um, I ended up going into Manhattan at that time, right after 9-11. So... I joined a new public mortgage REIT um, real estate investment trust in New York city. And this is the first time I worked in, in Manhattan. And I was there for a decade, and I had uh, various roles in this company. It was a growth company. When I started there, I was employee number five, and they had wow. uh, like two hundred million. Yeah, they had two hundred million in market capitalization. And I got to wear lots of different hats. And when I left there, they were about a, a two billion dollar market cap company, and now they're like you know three and a half, four billion dollar market cap company.
0: That's but, incredible. Let me ask you a question: Were there a lot of women? Um, no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no. I I mean, that's been. That's really kind of been the you know the story of my life. There. There really weren't always a lot of women um, but but there no i mean there were only five people there were basically the three guys that that founded it and they had an administrative assistant who was female who did grow with the company and did quite well there so over time she they invested in her and she uh she did advance significantly so that was that was very story. nice to say yeah that was great to say
0: yeah so, so that, uh that sounds amazing Con- continue but at some point i want to know how did you feel being the only woman paving the way? And, and, you know, I'm sure you accomplished a lot. It sounds like you always go for the blue ocean strategy, you know, the outlier, the different, you know, like when you took the job that wasn't with the biggest firm, but with the best clients instead. So tell me a little bit about, you know, your proudest accomplishments along the way.
1: Okay. So in terms of, you know, Moving along in my career, there were, there were a lot of things going on, and um, it's hard for me to say, like, any one thing is my proudest professional accomplishment, but when it, for me, it comes down to people. So, actually, there, there are probably two things, and the first is that I'm a mentor. I, you know, I enjoy being a mentor, and I've mentored people that I work with, friends, clients. Um, and quite a few French children who came to me for guidance. So the second um, is that there were people that worked with me when I was with the bank that came to work with me um, when I went to another company. And for me, that kind of felt like getting the band back together. So I was really <laughs> proud of that. It, it was really good. And you could say, well, you know, how is that a professional accomplishment? But you know, for me it was, and it is, because if I didn't have the professional position and achievement, people wouldn't be asking for my help. So I wouldn't be a mentor. And if I didn't have the position that I had, they couldn't come to me to work with me again. So I think that for me, while titles and such are really, you know, they're important, I kind of rather leave them on my resume.
0: I love that. Can I just say, that's so awesome that, you know, people followed you. That's a huge uh, when someone gives you a testimonial or a referral, or better yet, what they did with you, put their lives in your hands, trust your move, and make the same move. That is so validating and so amazing. Um, I think that's pretty well, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I think my favorite thing so far, well, first of all, I don't know a lot of women uh, in your world. I know women in financial services, but. Um, to have done all the things you've done and done them so well as the one woman or one of very few women in that arena, that's incredible. But my favorite thing so far is that you mentor others. I think that's really great that you give of yourself. And that's probably one of the I do. things that my listeners love about you too.
1: You know, it, it's funny that I do mentor others, but that doesn't mean that I don't need a mentor still. You know, I you still do. You need you need your mentors or your cheerleaders, and you do need those people that continue to uplift you throughout your entire career. You know, and just in life in general.
0: I have to say, um, I've always been seen as the strong one, the go-getter, the get-it-done gal, the one who can, you know, break down the barriers. Um, but that's not to say I haven't needed someone. So you're bringing up a really strong point. You're a strong woman. You're a very accomplished woman. You are a Go getter, trailblazer, pave the path for others. Woman, um, people think we don't need mentors. I, I do. I don't have one. I need one. I, <laughs> you know, it's like you know. So far, every one of my women on my podcast, those my my guests, those are my mentors now, <laughs> whether they know it or not. Well, that's well. Sign me up. Good. Oh, you're so terrific. Yeah. I think that that's a misperception of uh, most publics is that they see a strong woman and they say she doesn't have needs. She does. She's got no vulnerabilities. She's good without. Yeah. Them. That's and that's a myth. So not true. So not right.
1: true. And, and sometimes you find like the tough of the exterior, it's, it's more of a facade. Um, and definitely being vulnerable is something that I struggle with. But I'm I'm learning, and I'm learning from people who are my my inspirational people right now.
0: That's so correct you know, to do that to say that because um, I think that women especially have to put on that facade and have to. They can't. They fear showing their vulnerability because it is still a man's world, and we are trying to change that. And if we show our vulnerabilities, we might be seen as weak, and that's not true. As In weak. Life- Yeah, vulnerability is a sign of strength, and when you're able to be authentic and show that, you encourage others to be real as well, uh, which is the whole purpose of this show. You're really pretty amazing. I look at so I try not to get to know my guests before the podcast because I want to hear about them on the podcast. But as I listen to your story, I, I know that world. I used to work at State Street in Boston for many for a long time. I was there, um, in Boston for 12 years, there were hardly any women and those who were in any positions of, um, you know, power had no families or were divorced. I mean, it, it was almost impossible to do it all. Right. Yeah. I I think that that's changed quite a bit and, you know, for
1: the better for women, but you know, the one thing, the one thing going back to just being vulnerable, um, you know, it's almost like you kinda of have to wait until you reach a certain level of achievement to be able to show that. Because you you know, you can't be this very junior person and show all this weakness because you feel like you won't advance. So it's not until you've really hit all those benchmarks that you're confident enough in yourself that you can say, Hey, you know, I wasn't always this strong and you know, there are things that I'm nervous and I'm not confident about or that worry me or that I feel like, you know, I'm not good enough. So, but but you kind of, you can't, you can't do that early
0: on. Yeah. Right. Which, which only lends itself to the argument, um, the value and the benefit of having a mentor, you know, at every stage, um, when you have a mentor and you're a junior person, you can be vulnerable with that person and know that it's safe. Um, and when you get to the position where you are now, you can say, Hey, I've earned my right to expose my vulnerabilities and to share with you so that you can learn from what I went through. That's the whole purpose of this talk today. Great. Yeah, I think we're getting there. (laughs) We are, we are slowly, but surely, um, studies show that there are more, um, women, um, in the workplace, but they're not quite making it up to the the positions, the managerial and higher positions. So we have to figure out how we can get them up that ladder, not just in in the uh, workplace, but up the ladder. Let me ask you on that note, um, I live my life lifting other women up. How do you think, and in your opinion, or what do you advise other women to do to support women in business? Well, I think... First, you know, when I when I met you at the,
1: uh, what was it, the Bubbles, Bites, and Bits of Wisdom event, yes. and I heard your message, I was like, yes, she gets it. She gets it. And I think that women are finally starting to catch on, even if you look at, you know, who showed up at that? They're they're catching on to the importance of helping each other. And they're I think they're getting good at it. You know, I suggest women sit back and think about what they've accomplished and recognize that they're were probably folks along the way that lifted or maybe pushed them to success. And it doesn't matter that these people, you know, maybe they were never officially named as a mentor. Maybe it wasn't part of a work mentor program, but it's more about, you know, what did that person do for you or what do they do for you? So I think if you can start out and recognize, you know, is there someone and begin with gratitude, reach out to them and say, thank you. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for helping me. And how do you think I could help somebody else? Because you helped me. Yeah. So, so, and then pay it forward. And look, find a way to help others in your workplace. It could be in your workplace. It could be your family. It could be your friends. It could be your friend's children, which is, you know, who I help a lot. So start with something. You know, I think that your somethings will get bigger and they'll evolve over time.
0: You are such an incredible podcast guest. I'll tell you, I do remember meeting you there. You're a force. You were um, just a ball of energy and great, you know, comments and, and willing to connect. Oh, thank and collaborate. You. Thank you. I should be back. I should start every day talking with you, Susan. <laughs> you can hit replay on this anytime. Um, you know, it's so funny. We had about 80 women in that room. It was very powerful. It was a really good event. Yes. So thank you. Thank it you. It was a great having. event. Um, I expect thank you that for... we'll keep in touch um, for sure. I, I do get out to New York often, and you mentioned you come to San Francisco, so we'll definitely um, do. get together. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask that you sounds this. On the way, we know it hasn't been easy, especially since you have paved the way so many, and you were not among um, a peer of other women. You know, peer group of other women. What maybe was a challenge or setback, and how did you overcome that? Um, you know, from from a career
1: perspective, you know, when I was in banking, and um, there there then were other women in banking, but they were all older. I was, you know, I was like the youngest one as well. So so that was somewhat of a challenge. But over time, you know, I you just kind of have to learn to assimilate. And not everybody's going to like you, but you be genuine, you stay the course and you know, do the best that you can do. And, you know, ultimately, if you're really not happy with somewhere, you need to make a change. You know, the place is not going to change for you, you may need to be the one that changes. So I think, you know, for me, I was in a situation where I really felt that I wasn't growing, you know, and I was with the company for a long time. And then I said, Okay, I'm not growing here, let me find an outlet where I can grow outside of the company. And that's really where a lot of even more of my volunteerism came from, because I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And it didn't matter what my title was, because you know, that that's really good for 30 seconds the day that they give it to you. And after that, it's kind of like, okay, that's what I am. And I have, <laughs> you know, I have a job to do. So, you know, I was in a situation where I wasn't growing and came up with I was going to go back to school and they were initially supportive and then they weren't supportive. And then I just, you know what, I just I just need to go. I need to make a change. And that was really very hard. I didn't have another job lined up. Um, I planned on just focusing on this creative project I had worked on and said, you know, I'm, I'm going. And it was very emotional because I had assembled a lot of the people there. I had, you know, recruited and interviewed and brought them in and and then I was leaving. And, uh, you know, when my boss said to me, Teresa, you know, you don't need to go. And I said, you know, and it just came out and I said, yes, I do. And I knew right then and there that I really did need to go. And I planned on, uh, you know, taking time on my creative uh, business and and ended right back up into corporate just a few months later. But, you know, that was probably the hardest thing for me. And my way of overcoming it was, was moving on and doing
0: something different. Yeah, and you've done it so well. I love that you're authentic and real and honest about, you know, some that that place is not going to change for you that sometimes you just need to say um it's time for me to find a better path or I went down the wrong road or no wrong road because right. I still learn lessons but another path might be for me I, I have to say I I I am 53 years old I've had a very robust career I consider myself confident not cocky uh assertive sometimes aggressive and that's okay but I I was in a position that was not a right fit for me and I knew it. And I felt like oh, I better stick it out for over a year. So it looks okay on the resume right. and here you right, are right. courageous enough to say, whatever a title's a title. It's just a word on the resume, move on and find what's meant to be and learn from it. And I stuck it out. And then after I finally uh, was gone from there, I looked, uh, I was going through my hard drive for some reason, looking for old documents. I came across a resignation letter. To that place, three months in to the job. So, how telling is that? Like three months in, I knew this was not a fit for me, and I actually right. resignate. I just didn't send it.
1: <laughs> so, right. well, look, there are other things to consider. I mean, people have bills to pay. You know, I don't think that um, we're all independently wealthy, and we can just you know walk away at you know any moment. We we need to think about other things besides just our own, um, you know, gratification from the workplace. It's, that's you know, it's true. economics too.
0: That's true. There's the, I, I fortunately at that time was not in that position. I absolutely should have left, <laughs> but <laughs> listeners, Probably. let see a lesson to you that, um, those days of having to stick it out just to make it look good on your resume. That's ridiculous. You know, um, everyone understands we, we have to have the courage to take the first step. If it's not the right fit, you know, you're, you're a cost to that company until after what, four months or so? So, you know, th- leave if it's not meant to be for you. If you think that you can right. skip through it and these are just minor problems that can be solved, or if this is a giant culture misfit that you can't change, then you need to think about all that stuff. Hey, call Teresa. She can help you work through this. Um, well, you know, what's
1: really funny. It's something that you just said, okay, no to, to leave, right? But now the thing is, you're going into your next role. Now, identify all the flags that are, you know, saying, this won't be a good match for you either, or this will be a great match for you. You know, I look at where I am in my career. And, you know, I'm in kind of like the final quarter here, I guess. And, um, like I'm very particular. I consult and I get different opportunities that that come to me for CFO positions, but I won't go and work for another company that I don't feel is a match for me because it won't be good for them and it won't be good for me. And I just want to make what I do count, and I, I want to make it feel rewarding for myself and and the company that I work for. So I think that you have to be very careful going in and don't just take a job because somebody offers it to you
0: hold out for
1: the one that's right.
0: I love that. I love that you said, use what you learned when you left to say, now, is this going to happen here? Or, you know, really right to the red flags, the gut feelings, the, you know, you don't have to jump. Um, if you, if you absolutely don't have to jump, you know, if you, if you don't have right. economic need, um, everybody should learn to save up. What do they say? Save a year's salary just in case, you know, some sort of just in case. Um now I've yeah, been very bad at that. that. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I didn't follow that advice. But um I, I think I'm in a in a you know, for a small business owner, I'm in a good position. So if I were back of course, I would definitely um want to make sure I look out for those things that made me want to leave the last foot. And you know, sometimes you can't tell. Everybody puts on their best foot their right. best face and they put their best foot forward in an interview process. Um I, I say, ask people who work there, why do they stay? How long have they been? What do they like about it? What do they not yeah. like about it? Like, nobody's perfectly happy look, all the time.
1: It's work. I mean, if it wasn't work, you know, they'd call it play and it would be fun all the time. <laughs> it's <work.
0: And> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's a great little phrase. That, that's true. So true. Um, yeah. It's, so. you know, if, if you're one of the few fortunate people that can find your passion and do it and do it well and the world recognizes how awesome you are at it so you can charge a ton of money for it wow kudos to you but i think that's the exception not the rule right right uh, yeah that's well tell me right. something look i think you're amazing i can't wait till my next trip out to new york city uh, you're, you're so sweet oh seriously yeah. i had so much fun with y'all that night um at the uh bubbles Bites, and bits of wisdom event it was really great meeting you. Um, you're quite thank unforgettable. You. Seriously, you're. Inexorable. Well, thank
1: you. I I hope in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But
0: uh, In a good. But way. I
1: did trans. I did transcribe the backs of those envelopes for you. I hope you got them.
0: Oh. Video them yeah, I and I, did. I sent them over to you. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. So I have to just say first of all, thank you. I live in gratitude oh, you're every welcome. day for people like you. Um. Uh. Secondly, that was such a crazy time in my 2019. I was flying from San Francisco to New York, had two client events, then came back the same night. Uh, at that the, the next day after you met me, I came back that night, grabbed my suitcase and flew to, I think it was Laguna, um, and then had a weekend of work with a client there. Then I came back home and two weeks later, rinse and repeat. I was in New York city again for two nights, flew back home, grabbed my suitcase, didn't spend the night, grabbed my suitcase, got on another plane and went to, I think it was San Diego at that time. But yeah, crazy time. (laughs) This is what it's like, as you know, to be, um, you know, own your own business. So yes. yes. And people are like, Oh, you own your own business. You make your own hours. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Not really. The clients make my hours, for sure. That's right. Um, So so a lot of people make my hours. Absolutely. Well, you're so awesome. I'm so lucky that you've spent a little time with us here today. Before we go, tell us something surprising about you. I've heard lots of surprises today, but is there anything people know? Okay. Well, I think, look, you know, when you're that
1: CFO accounting type, you know, people think in terms of calculators and, you know, Excel, but, and and I, and I do use those, but um, but I'm very creative, you know, and I have this really entrepreneurial spirit and, you know, I knew it pretty early on because when I was in college, along with a partner, I bought into a, sit down, a chicken and ribs restaurant and, and I funded it with. Yeah, and I funded it with my student loan. So it had to make money because if it didn't, I couldn't pay for college.
0: You know, <laughs> so that's the most
1: awesome I, thing I've yeah. ever heard. That is incredible. I don't, I don't know if it's awesome or, or crazy, but, but it did work and I, and I did make money. And, um, and I guess the second thing is that I designed, um, you know, when I left one of my jobs, I designed a line of specialty handbags and I got a provisional uh, utility patent on them.
0: Wow. Um, and I
1: still, I still think about doing it, but I just have not found the time to launch this bag. So, you know, it's just kind of like so many things to do, so little time.
0: Oh, but um, wow. but those amazing. are
1: kind of different things about me, I guess.
0: Let me ask you this. So, okay, so everyone who listens to me knows that I write a blog about my guests, and then I include a gallery of pictures or videos or book covers or whatever you know, that promotes them and their best work, um, as well as their headshot and bio, I would love to help you promote these unique things uh, that you do, these handbags, these wonderful, you know, if you'd like me to put some of that in the blog, that would be great. Yeah, I, I kind of have to think about that,
1: because I really have to go back to them, because the last one that I produced was uh, five years ago, Gotcha. So, you know, styles, styles have changed. It takes a lot, you know, and I was working with all of the, these factories in the city, you know, to make one little handbag, it's the first one that costs you a lot, you know, it could cost you a thousand dollars to make the first one. It's, you know, when you're mass producing them, it's cheap, but the first one, it's, that's a real zinger. Yeah, <laughs> so,
0: I understand. I, what we'll do is if you ever decide to go back and do that and reinvest in that passion, your time, attention, and money we will do another podcast and we will do another blog and we will definitely promote that. Um, I have a cousin in, who was in New York City; he's now in New Orleans, but um, he was an he is an attorney, but he's also a designer handbag or handbag designer designer, handbag designer. How about that? Oh, well, and, we, we uh, can definitely, you know what? We could talk about this some more for sure. Yeah. He used to sell through Bergdorf Goodman. Now he doesn't do it anymore, but um, I know the effort that he went through and the, You know how how diligent you have to be and and how expensive it is and hard it is so you decide when you're ready you say you're in your last quarter of what you do now it sounds to me like you're not you're you're really passionate about what you do (laughs) you're really good at what you do and I'm sure your clients absolutely love working with you you're a delight well I I hope so yeah oh I'm sure if they want to reach you and know more about you how can they reach you Teresa
1: know I think find me on LinkedIn you know I am always open and happy to make an authentic new connection just drop me a note with that invite tell me why you want to connect with me and I am I would be flattered you know to to have more people reach out to me but just please don't use LinkedIn to try to sell me something it drives me absolutely crazy but (laughs) happy to make a lot of more
0: friends yeah yeah, it's so I try you know we try to be nice and try to be and look we're all in sales at some level but these canned messages that are spammy I'm like you know I'm I'm good thank you very much and then they keep trying it's just it's very taxing you know so I get that that. That send a note as to why you think you'd like to connect with Teresa I could name 10 million reasons right now she's just incredible um, but we'll put You're that so sweet. link in the blog as well. Is there anything you want to say before we say our goodbyes? You know, there was one thing in terms of me having an
1: inspirational mentor. I, you know, I gave this so much thought that I feel like I just kind of want to share it with you now. Sure. I currently have three amazing women in my life right now, um, that are, are former CFOs and you know, one is, uh, I call her the board queen, and they have been <laughs> supportive and just inspirational for me. And I just kind of want to give each of them a shout out sure. and express my gratitude to them. So the first, and, and this is just in the order in which I met them, so um, nothing to be said by the order, Hope Tates, who is amazing, and uh, Frances Spark and Lisa Mumford, and if anybody uh, Googles them, they can find out all the amazing things that I already know about them. They're, they're all terrific, so cool. they're all on boards, and they all have had fabulous careers, but what, what speaks to me about them is that they are just so authentic, and, um, and good people, just and good friends.
0: That is so sweet. So that's my favorite part of this podcast, is that we give a shout out to others, we pay it forward, Um, I love that you said that. So, you know, folks, don't forget to thank your mentors. They may not even know that they're your mentors. Don't forget to live in gratitude for the people who inspire you every day. Um, Well, Teresa, you inspired me. I'm grateful for you. Well, thank you. And I'm
1: grateful and and so happy that I was able, that I was invited to talk on this uh,
0: podcast. Thank you. (laughs) I should be thanking you. You're such a bundle of energy. But we're going to say our goodbyes, and I'll write this up in the blog. So look on my website for this and on social media. Have a great day, everybody. I will.